0: And if you have all those flashes, it's actually a more representative look of who you are as a person because one job doesn't justify you. And so it's become another way for me to express and share parts of me rather than just saying, oh, she's just the manager of the river," or she's just a student at the university
1: or one title. This is just another way of expressing who I am. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive and lifestyle coach, Lara Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy living, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and leadership, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your work and life to recapture your momentum and achieve your big dreams now. Hey everyone, it's Lara. In this week's episode, I'm revisiting a chat with one of my favorite younger friends. As I move through my 40s, I find myself deeply appreciating friends from different generations. In this case, a millennial. Millennials get a bad rap, but I love my millennial friends. Oprah calls these relationships mother-sister friends, which pretty much sums up the magical dynamic created when we open ourselves up to wisdom earned in different circumstances than our own. But before I introduce you to Soleil, I want to just give you one last reminder about my April book giveaway. If you haven't already, please take a few minutes to share your thoughts about the podcast in my listener survey. And if you do that by Thursday, April 30th, this Thursday, I'll enter you in a drawing to win signed copies of books written by several of my guests. You can do that by visiting lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. Again, that's lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing that. Today's interview was recorded in the summer of 2019 with a young woman who, in the months leading up to the interview, was general manager of the Riveter Fremont, the co-working space I call home. But Soleil Roth is much more than her day job, something I learned as we got to know each other during our daily comings and goings at the Riveter. Soleil is an award-winning travel and food blogger who shares culturally immersive travel advice from her own perspective in travel and food blog Somewhere Soleil. We talked about what happens when you turn your passion into your work, the good and the bad why having multiple roles or slashes in your work life doesn't mean you're flaky or not committed, what Soleil would tell her younger, high-achieving self about the importance of slowing down and how to do it, and the powerful effect that Soleil's friends have on the way she experiences life and how she seeks out people who help balance her out. Even though we're all grounded at the moment, we can at least dream of our next travel adventure. Soleil probably has some ideas about where you can go next. So, Soleil, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I'm really excited.
0: Of course. I'm super excited as well.
1: Yeah. And it's it's fun to interact with you in this capacity, just, you know, for my listeners. We obviously know each other because uh, you work at The Riveter and I'm a member of The Riveter. And so it's been fun to sort of see and learn more about you as our friendship develops. And I'm especially excited for you because we're recording this in June and you were recently published in Sever Magazine. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that happened? Yeah.
0: Well, back in November, I somehow, someway, when reader's choice for best travel Blogs through the suburb blog awards in 2018 and since then it's kind of been a revealing of my passion project becoming more in the front line of what I love to do and kind of contemplating if it is something I want to go into full-time with my career but I actually connected in January I went to the New York Times travel show and just went there for networking and it was this whirlwind of travel industry people and travel bloggers and I stopped by the Greek tourism board booth and of course everyone wants to go to Greece and I just said hi you know nice to meet you I love Greece as everyone would probably say at the booth and there were hundreds of thousands of people passing through and I grabbed a card and actually after going to that travel show I had realized I don't think I want to be a travel blogger full-time, which we'll probably get into later. But
1: <laughs> That's a good realization. Yeah, it's
0: just such an overwhelming lifestyle, at least full-time. It's not something that I could see myself doing every day. Nonetheless, I had a bunch of business cards, and it would be useless if I didn't reach back out to these people and say, at least thank you for their time. And I reached back out to the Greek tourism board and said, thank you for letting me stop by your booth. Let me know any good Greek recommendations you have when you know going to greece and traveling to greece and they just responded oh we'd love to invite you to this five-day food and wine gastronomy festival in corfu and i said what (laughs) um okay but then they said what publication do you write for and of course i have my travel blog but i think you know their intention was to share more about this island and its culture and gastronomy and in my mind i said you know I don't write for a publication, but I'm going to find a publication to write for. So I reached back out to the subvert team that I met and said, hey, I have this really great opportunity to go to Greece. Can I write an article for you? And they said, okay. So we went back and forth between what to write about and fast forward. And I finally wrote my article and it got published. It's called, actually, I should know the name of my own article.
1: But (laughs) that's okay. Yeah, it's like you've already (laughs) packed it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's done. No notes for sure, because I want my listeners to be able to see it. It was a great article. And I love that story because I didn't realize that it wasn't Sever that, I don't know, I guess I hadn't processed that it wasn't them who initiated the whole. Trip to Corfu, and anyway, so I love that you like connected the dots like that. Let's back up a little bit, actually, and talk about how you first got started with your travel, and and now in food writing.
0: Yeah, so growing up, my family has always been a uh, big travelers. My dad has always instilled the priceless value and knowledge that travel gives you. And growing up, I was a competitive figure skater, so we actually. Traveled around the US for that, but then I had no idea. Yeah, learning something new every day. Every <laughs>
1: day. Yeah.
0: And during so, figure skating for me, we only have one week a year to go on vacation because we would skate the day before Christmas Eve and the day after Christmas and the day before Thanksgiving and the day after. So, we never had time. The only time we had off was one week in June when they would take the ice out because they would. Melt it all like make kind of a new clean slate for the ice for the year and that's when my parents and I would take a nice big family vacation because we've all been working and that's the only time and so we're kind of the people that say go big or go home and my parents love Europe so from a young age it always be somewhere in Europe or abroad and then as I got older my mom she's an accountant she's a CPA and so from January to April I just she doesn't exist in my life. I just don't see <laughs> my,
1: her. I can totally relate to that. My dad um, was a partner, is a retired partner with Deloitte and and I got it, tax season.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And so during that time, my dad would take care of me. I mean, we all lived in the same house, but it was kind of free working time for mom and dad took the reins. And during that time, competition season would start for skating around March and into, into April. So we kind of made this tradition that he would always take me to the first competition. And then as I transitioned out of skiing, it was March is also spring break for kids. And so we actually developed a tradition of an annual father daughter trip. And so every from throughout high school and college, I never did the the crazy kids spring break with your friends. I always had a, my annual dad trip and it used to be, Visiting colleges. And then once I got into college, one spring break, he goes, Okay, you're in college. Where do you want to go this year? I, said, I don't know. I want to go somewhere warm. <laughs> he said Great. I want to go somewhere. In- he goes, I want to go somewhere international. I said, Okay. And he gets online and five minutes later, You want to go to Santiago, Chile? I said, Sure. And so that was our first kind of international father daughter trip. And since then, it's still been a reoccurring tradition. And that was my freshman year of college and having traveled so much and seeing little diaries I'd written growing up, ugh, blogs were kind of just starting then. And I originally created my blog just to recount the stories. And I love taking photos. I'm, I am dabble in photography and I have all these beautiful photos, but don't do anything with them. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to write about the places I've been. And people always ask me, oh, like, where should I go in Rome? And I you know, I can't remember. i Went somewhere. I wrote it down somewhere. But this was kind of a help me remember where I went, but also the stories to tell to my family, to my kids, and be my own kind of personal diary to relive all the places I've been. I knew that travel would be forever part of my life. And so why not document it in a more relatable and shareable way?
1: Yeah, totally. It's a lot of work, though. I mean, I, you know, I'm curious to know, especially since you have... I'll call it a day job, you know, at the Riveter. And then you've got this, uh, you know, you called it a passion project, side hustle, whatever you want to call it. What's amazing about having that? And what's hard about it? I would
0: say that, especially for travel blogging, and I mentioned that I write about food. And I think because when you travel and you're learning about different cultures, food is really reflective of the culture and the community. But say you're just a food blogger or just a craft, blogger or a stay-at-home mom blogger, you can do all those things outside of your day job in the evening or in the morning at your house. The difficult part with travel is you have to take the time off to go travel and the time to travel to get to where you're going to experience what you're writing about. And as a college kid, when you don't have a job and you're in school and you have spring break and you have Thanksgiving break and you have these set times to do that, it is much easier than as we all know in adult world where you don't have spring break and you don't have Christmas break and you don't have mid winter break. You don't have these set times to have free time. And so it's really a balance of trying to find the time for yourself, whether that's self-care or traveling and being able to pursue that side hustle or passion project while also balancing what, you know, financially supports you. So I would say that's kind of the most difficult thing of Having it and it changed so much the blog as something that was more feasible into now, how do I keep it relevant and being able to pursue that travel aspect of it? Uh, so having a daytime job. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. What was the second part you said? Well, I was just asking, you know, what's amazing about it and what's hard about it. So, you know, you you sort of started with the what's hard. And to some extent, we already know, like, you had this amazing trip to Greece. But is there anything else that you especially love about it? And, and thinking about how that also maybe supports your perspective on your day job you know what I mean
0: yeah I think the most amazing part about it is that and this ties to the job that I have now because I know not all jobs are like this but I have the flexibility to continue to pursue it and I'm really amazed that I'm still actually not burnt out from it because it is something that does get tiring and I think for anyone that's trying to start their own business or blogging or side hustle that yes there's so much passion and heart and excitement and motivation to do something that you love But of course, when it's something that is, you know, you're up late trying to finish or it's kind of a weight in the back of your mind to get hit a deadline or something, it can kind of take out that love from it. And I still have an unconditional love and quote unquote burning passion to do it. And I know, especially for blogging, it's nice because where mine is at, I don't have deadlines, but I still put deadlines in my mind. Of, oh my gosh, I need to have this done by Friday. The only one that is making that happen is me. And the only one that's requiring me to get it done by Friday is me. No one cares if it's done by Friday. They could care less if it was done by Tuesday, the next week. But I'm really amazed that I'm still going through it with full force. Not that I would do it any other way, but it's something that keeps beneficial returning the benefits back over and over again and even in small steps you know the trip to Greece was amazing but I think my favorite thing about traveling is the people that I met and I you know people say you know people all over the world but it's really just those one-on-one connections that I've met in different spaces that make it worthwhile and at the end of the day whether you're going to Portland or Portugal it's really the people you're with. And of course, learning about new cultures is important too, but it's really the people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, no, I love that perspective. I mean, I think, you know, I'm hearing two really important things. One is that, you know, you do have to create this structure for yourself. And if you're, if you have a, a day job, in addition, you mentioned sort of the, I'll call it the psychological weight of the side hustle or the passion project, like mm-hmm. you feel this like pressure. I can totally relate to that where you have multiple things going on and there's this like, oh my gosh, I have to get this done. And only you are doing that, but that's part of how it becomes successful. And the other thing I'm hearing is that it adds such richness and value to your life. And that that's, I think, part of what helps you keep going.
0: Absolutely. There's this one book, and I I think we had mentioned it, or it's mentioned to you in person, but it's called The Job Slash or something. And it was, you know, back a few years ago, if you saw someone that said, chef slash blogger slash preschool teacher you would think they were misguided and weren't really focused on one or the other and they didn't know what they were doing and now fast forward today and if you have all those flashes it's actually a more representative look of who you are as a person because one job doesn't justify you and so it's become another way for me to express and share parts of me rather than just saying oh she's just the manager of the river," or she's just a student at the university or one title. This is just another way of expressing who I am and it's fun to express who you are in different ways and shapes and forms.
1: Yeah, I love that. And that that's that's such a great thing to point out that the slash is no longer uh, a bad thing. In fact it's a yeah, it's a great way to bring all of you in into the world. Let's talk you mentioned self care earlier in the you know in the framework of travel. What is what does self care mean? To you,
0: that is a deep and <laughs> beautiful and dirty and delicious question. <laughs> I've learned so much about self care, especially. I mean, growing up as a competitive athlete and then transitioning out of that. I think, honestly, the sport that I was in, it. I learned a lot about the discipline and commitment, but I think my self care was more of a a physical concept in that time as an athlete. It was, you know. Make sure you don't break your ankle. Make sure you're stretching. Make sure you're getting enough sleep and water, you know, kind of the generic things. And as I've grown older and become more in tune with emotions and leaning into vulnerability and relationships and communication, it's so much more than that. Mindfulness and making sure you're taking care of your mental health versus your physical health and emotional health and psychological well-being. I would say for me, self-care is making sure that I am taking care of myself so that I can be the best version of myself to other people. And I'm not saying the fittest or the the smartest, but what I'm saying is that I can be 100% for other people as long as I'm at 100%. There's this saying, and I think, I always say, I don't know if it was in a sermon or a yoga class. It, (laughs) It was one of the two, but They're saying you have to inhale before you exhale when you're breathing. You can't just continually exhale air. That's impossible. You have to inhale before you exhale. And that's kind of the way I think about self-care is if I want to put love and joy and effort and compassion and all of these things onto my work and to people, I have to first do that for myself. Because if I'm just an empty water bottle trying to give water to everyone it's not going to work.
1: I love that analogy. Yeah. That's not one I had heard before. That's, that's really powerful. How do you know that you're in that place? Like, what does that feel like when you are able to deliver to the world in the way that you want to?
0: I think there's so many things. I, it's one thing of just being able to feel it. I know that I'm a huge morning person and not everyone is that I hang out with, but I think in this world, and I'll be blatantly honest and a little vulnerable on that, as a woman, I definitely have had my fits with my relationship to food and body and social image and all those things. And I think being in a place where there's just kind of an overwhelming piece and not being consumed with that in the moment. So really living in the present, I can feel when I'm tired and lethargic and you know, exercising feels great in my body and, you know, drinking water and all the things that everyone tells us to do. But if I'm in a place where I'm with people and I feel at peace with the situation, I'm calm about who I am, I think I know there's just a gut feeling that I'm taking care of myself. And also a really physical reminder of if I'm taking care of myself is looking at my calendar. (laughs) Because if I see a calendar that's just full, for me, it's both exciting, but also I realize that I'm going to burn myself out and I have to schedule in a take care of myself day, whether that means slowing down. I am someone, and not everyone's like this, they're kind of the opposite. I'm one of the people that don't know how to rest. And so I'll just go, 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 go until my body says, oh my gosh, why didn't you give me a break seven weeks ago? Yeah. So being able to intentionally schedule those rest days, even though it's hard, For me, to rest is really important.
1: How did you get over that resistance to do that?
0: I would say it's still a developing skill and I'm still learning how to do it. I think seeing the negative effects of not taking care of myself and, you know, growing up as a kind of athlete, you have such a regimented schedule of wake up at 4.30, skate from Six until eight. Go to school. Skate skating was my life. Go to school. Skate from two thirty to five thirty. Workout from five thirty to seven thirty. Eat and go to bed. And my parents are the most amazing people ever. But in that time of my life, there wasn't really autonomy of oh, can I just take a rest day? Because that was not something. And so you learn these habits from not listening to my body, and then having to unlearn that, which is, I mean, unlearning any skill you've done for over decades long is difficult. So I'm still learning to do that. But I think in this time where we're able to talk about mindfulness and yoga and emotions and mental health and being with people that also slow me down has been really helpful. I had spoken with, I know, I don't, are you familiar with Enneagram? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Just for listeners who aren't, it's a, I never know how to describe it. It's sort of a personality test ish how would you describe it
0: yeah and it kind of helps you understand how you perceive and react to the world and then also how you interact with other people that are different from you
1: mm-hmm. sort of like myers-briggs for, for reference yeah point. it's a really yeah.
0: self-reflective test and i had spoken to i was speaking to this woman and she was describing her daughter to me and we were both the same number on the test and her daughter was much younger than me and she said what would you suggest to my daughter? You know, I I hear both of your stories and they're very similar. And what would you have told your younger self the way you operated and thought and were go, go, go all the time? And I said, she needs to surround herself with people that are not like her, that are not straight A achievers, president of ASB, have to get 4.0, go, 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 get first place in every competition. Be so high strung, because they're the people that will bring her back down to a normal frequency.
1: Mm, that's yeah, I love that. I, I, it's funny. I um can very much relate to that go 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 thing, and just in terms of the way I was growing up, for me it it showed up academically and the way I pushed myself and that sort of thing. But you you know, it's never occurred to me. And I'm trying to think if I've done it without without realizing it. But it's never occurred to me to, you know, intentionally surround myself with people who aren't that way. And I I love that perspective. You know, I'm just running through my head of my friends and like trying to decide, you know, they're one yes. or two. But yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. Is there one person, and you don't have to name them by name necessarily if you don't want to, but is there one or maybe two people that have really helped you do that? Yeah,
0: I think it's so fun because... I guess I'll back up by saying that this might be my own understanding of the world around me, but in the movies or media, you see people with, you know, their friend group and their clique and their, I mean, we're past cliques, but, you know, their set group of people and especially with traveling and the different areas that I involve myself in, whether that's that's curriculars or family things or church things or sport things, I have, friends from all different walks of life and different areas and different perspectives and beliefs and they're all so vastly different from each other. And at first I say, you know, I don't really have that, you know, group of girlfriends that I just go out with every night. I just have one or two from pockets of life and different places. And I think the important thing or the people that I think about, they at the bottom of it, actually you know what? Sometimes they don't even have the same beliefs as me, but People that share in the same qualities of whether it's adventurous or selfless people or compassionate people or people that are creative, the other things that they are that aren't the same as me—that makes sense—are mm-hmm. things I learn from,
1: right? It sounds like you've got, you're still drawn to people that are similar to you in some in some ways, but then in these other ways, they kind of ground you a little bit. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Right. Yeah. One of my best friends. She, we both have the same love for adventure. But in every other aspect, she is completely opposite from me. I'm pretty reserved and I mean, I'm not soft spoken, but I'm just a little I wouldn't say normal, but she in contrast is a challenger. She's bold. She will I remember we worked together and the first week she was there, we were at a restaurant and she did not like how the chef was like the head chef was speaking to his team. And so she pulled him aside into a coat closet and said hey like (laughs) I don't know what's up with you but you gotta like I think you need to engage in whatever fear that you have of looking like not authority and speak to your team differently because I don't think you're being respectful enough I'm not gonna pay you the respect that you deserve I love it did you really just do that (laughs) like I would never do that and I'll eat a kale salad every single day and all she'll eat is bacon like That's all she ever wants (laughs) is just bacon.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you guys balanced each other out.
0: Yeah, but at the root of it, you know, we care about people in the same way. And it's hard when I say surround yourself with people that aren't like you because for me, that was, uh, as a perfectionist growing up, there's no way you're going to be around imperfect people because they'll bring you down and, you know, make you look stupid or Mm -hmm. they're not operating at your same frequency and going and working the same way you do. But I love and that's the thing, I love traveling. Actually in right now I'm with my friend Amber She I met her studying abroad in the Netherlands and she's visiting me for two weeks for I mean, she's been to New York City, but other than that she hasn't been to America. And so I'm just showing her all the things around Seattle in America. And I feel even in my like the environment that I know where I can, you know, walk down the street and be like, oh you know, this is my this is my work and this is where I live and this is a place where I go run if I'm stressed. It's just such a different environment when I'm with her because she brings kind of a whimsical, she laughs all the time, a whimsical and router And it's nice to be calm and at peace with someone that brings that into your life. When yeah. It's easy to
1: get into your own head. For sure. Yeah. And it's such a great reminder that, you know, relationships is such a big piece of self-care and wellness and, you know, that it's to your earlier point, it's not just about the physical piece of it. So thank you for, for sharing a different perspective on that specifically around the relationships that we bring into our lives. So I I have a selfish question as we come to a close here. Where should I go for vacation in the fall? <laughs> Specifically in like October, November is what I'm thinking.
0: Okay. First of all, fall is my favorite time to travel because the flock of tour season is dwindling down, but the lingering warmth especially is still there from the summer and you can get some beautiful days. I mean, I remember we went to Italy for two Thanksgiving and we just had weirdly warm days in the middle of November and... That rarely would happen in Seattle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Where, where are you thinking? I mean, Italy is always on my radar. I've been to Italy, but I have not been to the south of Italy. So perhaps that's my answer. You may have just answered it right there.
0: I would say somewhere I would really love to explore more is Portugal. I've only been to, it's kind of, it's not as, as it used to be, but Lisbon's a beautiful city and I would love to do more of that. You still have the European situation going on, but it, you know, you have the coast and beautiful place you said October, November, mm-hmm. my friend, so my roommate last September, end of September, she went to Japan and Japan has been popping up as a really popular place to travel lately, but I've heard Japan is beautiful. That is also a place on my radar that I want to go. If you want September, you have the cherry blossoms, which we have here in Seattle.
1: Oh, that's a very good point.
0: But I've heard it's just beautiful the culture is so clean and or like the place is so clean the culture is so beautiful and respectful and it's wonderful. I would say not below the equator because you have the opposite temperature. Well, right. Exactly. I mean, maybe you want to go to the moon. Yeah. Um, you can never go wrong with Europe.
1: Yeah. And I haven't been to Europe in a little while. I've been traveling in Asia quite a bit. So thank you. No, that's, that's actually really helpful just to help me sort of narrow things down. Where can people find you or connect with you online?
0: Yeah. So the name of my blog is named after myself. It's called Summer Soleil. And the website is just summersoleil.com. You can find me on Instagram just by my first and last name, which is Soleil Roth. I have to spell it out. It's S O L E I L R O T H, like this said. And they can find me if they listen to your podcast.
1: Yes, indeed. No, that's great. And I'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Soleil. This was really, really fun. I really appreciate your time
0: yeah thank you so much i so enjoyed getting to be in this part of your world and i'm excited to hear
1: the other podcast and listen more thank you That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lauradolch.com slash womenontherise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lauradolch.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the work we do on the podcast, leave a rating or review wherever you listen, subscribe to the show, share episodes on social media or with your friends, and use the discount codes from our sponsors. It's all a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from the team at Lens Group Media.